for being here. It's good to see y'all. Um, <clears throat> I have a value and a, and a, and a, just a desire to walk out my process really honestly with you guys. And just to be real, it matters to who we are as, as a community and how we walk through hard things. And, um, some of you are in the midst of really hard stuff. Some of you are on the, on the other side, looking back at the way that God's been faithful to you through hard stuff. Um, but for me, my family, myself, you know, just being right in the middle of it, um, just in a pretty intense low the last few days. Um, and I think that's part of the desire that I have for honesty is I was talking with the Lord and like, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to get up there and preach, you know, I'm not feeling it. I kind of want to just stay in bed. Um, and, uh, maybe this, you know, I got up early this morning, maybe some extra time in prayer would, would kind of shake me out of this low and, um, or maybe being in worship would get me out of this low. Okay, God, we're going to get up there. How are we going to do this? And, and then I realized, like, wait, that's so not, it's so not the point. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. And it's more powerful to be real than to, like, be a performance on a stage. Like, oh, man, I'm, I feel great. I can't wait to preach. And, and like, I feel so-so, and I can't wait to go home and lay down. Uh, and... You know, so I just, and I don't say low or down as if that's some sort of bad direction away from God. Please, it's okay. Like where we are is that we're not talking directionally. Like to be down is to be unfaithful to God or it's a bad, it's a bad place to be. It's not, it's what we do in the midst of that. It's the desire to perform and to disconnect from that that is dangerous. It's the desire to find something to numb us or satisfy us or make us feel up. That's the, that's the thing that we need to watch out for. Not that we never feel the pain or the, or the struggle or the journey that we're going through. And, and I, you know, one of the things I, I, I want to do is, um, well, one thing I want to do is I want to stand up here and just process all of my stuff with you, but that's not, it's really not healthy. That could get codependent real quick. Um, but I do want to be honest. It's like one of the, I, I, I think that the other night, with with Jeff, with my brother dying last August, I think that um, you know just coming up on stuff that are pretty pretty huge markers. And if you've walked through grief, you know this is that just certain things are gonna make it fresh, make it feel really new. And the other night we were family vacations were huge for our family, and spring break is you know it's just something we got away and did things. And last year we went to to the Oahe River and we got a house out there on the river and we spent the week together, um, Jeff and Deanna and the, and the kids and Kate and I and the kids and this incredible weekend. Like doing things like that was 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 rad, like family stuff. Um, the other night, my son, Kellen, my oldest son, he was telling us a story. He was reminiscing about spring break and we remember we were doing this and Uncle Jeff did this and brought the Bronco and did the things and we were hanging out and it was awesome and then we're all at dinner and we're, and we're around the table, which is safe. And I, and I mean, he's... Kellen's awesome, and and it's it's absolutely safe, and so we're just going along, letting him tell the story, and we're and and looking at him, and then he looks up and he looks at his mom, and he stops, 
And it was as if just this, this wave of realization just burst in his heart. And he, and, he, and he stopped and he just started weeping. And he wept and he wept and he wept um, because he's a total stud and I love him. Um, but we all sat there and sat back and it was like just waves of grief kind of hitting us. And that's, again, that's not a bad thing his process and what, and what he was realizing in, in, in that moment. But I think from that moment on, you know, it just kind of put me on a, put me in a low, um, just thinking about it and feeling it, feeling it for him, feeling it for the family, feeling it for Deanna and the kids, feeling it for my parents. And, and this morning, you know, it's, it's always interesting to preach when mom and dad are sitting there and Deanna and Owen are sitting there, um, but also just feeling it for myself. Um, and so, uh, as I, as I am honest with you in that process, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you. And, um, and as I preach, I want you to understand that this is something that I love. This is something that I take uh, great passion from and great joy from. And if you're in a hard time, you do need to have things in your life that, that bring joy and that, that you are passionate about. And um, as I preach and doing something I love, I don't want you to experience any kind of disconnect from what I'm sharing with you about how I'm feeling to how passionate I am about seeing you come alive to the things that Jesus has for you and, and how his spirit wants to fill you and pour out on you. Like I, I am passionate about those things and there's not a disconnect. This is me preaching at a low and it may seem a lot like preaching at a high and that's okay. I'm not performing for you. We're not performing for each other. And what I'm doing is not making, not inviting you to live a life where you feel like you have to embrace any kind of incongruity. Um, as I said, the, the power of victory is not that we never have lows. It's that when we are low, when we are down, that we know that it's not a failure, that God wants to meet us there and be with us in that place just as much as any other place that we find ourselves, right? Awesome. Okay. So let's preach. Woo! Just kidding. <laughs> you want that? I could turn that. Do you want me to do that for 25 minutes? Oh, okay. So we are in a, a season where we are talking about intimacy, identity, inheritance. It's how we begin our year, foundation of who we are at Living Waters. And, and now we're in this, this place of talking about our inheritance. And as we're walking through this series, I really believe if you haven't had a chance to hear the message last week, um, it's important because as we were talking about uh, our places of shame and being trapped in shame stories and the prodigal son and him coming up out of that place and coming home to the father and having his inheritance and his identity, his relationship, having it all restored, that, uh, that I could sense that God was doing something in the room where he was beginning to stir up dreams and ideas and blueprints and kingdom mindedness in us in this place of when we go through a long season of difficulty and, and I can experience this you've all experienced this one of the first things that goes is our hope and our optimism and when that goes we stop dreaming and we stop planning for future and we begin to get into a survival mode where we one day at a time oh it looks like we've made it through another day but what I what I feel the spirit doing is is reawakening us to dream of the specific things and purposes and calls that he has on our lives, collectively, but also individually. And, and so I want to lean into that a little bit this morning, believing that that's what he's doing. He says in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, uh, talking about the outpouring of the Spirit, 
It says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. They will declare the truth from the throne. That's uh, in Acts 2. And so in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This took place and this continues to take place. What's the result of that outpouring of God's spirit is that people would begin to dream and to prophesy and to, to look to the future and declare the things of God. And I believe with all of my heart that after coming out of this last two years that we need that, we need that fresh outpouring of the spirit of God on us, on our lives, on our minds, on our hearts, on our futures, so that we can look to what's ahead and we can dream again. We can look to what's ahead and we can begin to declare the truth of God over our future after maybe being trapped in a season where we have felt limited or God, what are you doing? Or how do I even show up in this time? It's time for us to shake that off and to begin to dream again. So uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to share with you is this, 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 this reality of him stirring up new dreams and ideas and blueprints in your life, but not only new ones, but I believe that God is going back to old things that maybe have become dormant or have been layered over by disappointment or failure or years and years and years, and that God is wanting to unearth some of those things in us as well. Um, I, I saw this thing the other day on TikTok, uh, and God was speaking to me through it, and uh, so... It was, I don't, you probably, maybe some of you saw this, but here's the, here's the situation of what happened. There was this, this young kid, he was maybe 19 years old, and he's, he's into music a little bit, and, he, uh, and his dad is, uh, was also into music, and, and so a little bit, and did some stuff with some bands. And so this young kid jumps in, the, in his dad's like old truck or something, and he's looking for something to, some music, and there's no ox to plug into or anything, so he hits play on the cassette, or I think he pulled it out, pulled a cassette tape out of the, uh, out of the dashboard, out of the, what is it, uh, glove box, there it is, I was like, what's that thing, uh, he pulls it out, and he sticks it in, and this, this really cool rock song starts to play, and he's like, oh, this is pretty rad, 70s rock, cool stuff, and he's jamming out to it, and then the singer starts to sing, and he, and he recognizes his father's voice, this is my dad, my dad is singing this song, like, this is so cool, and so he goes on his TikTok, and he, he, he goes, I want to share this song with you guys, this is I, my dad wrote this song. He never produced it. He just recorded it onto a cassette tape, and I found it in his truck, and I'm, I want to play it for you. And so he plays this song. People love it. Now it's got millions and millions of downloads. It's on Spotify. Like, it released uh, from the 70s. He recorded this song and forgot about it. And so here's this 70s rock song that this son found that his father made that's now in the right season, right time, right place, coming uh, to light. And I, and I thought of that, and the Lord was just speaking to me of that, of saying, this is what I want to do in people's lives. There are things that are long forgotten. There are gifts and passions and ideas that are inside of you. There are, there are places for you to have influence. There are opportunities for you to have influence. And you're like, oh, no, you don't. It can't happen. It's too long. It's too this, it's to that. Like we all have our stories of like why things aren't going to take place. But God's like, I'm going to find those things. I'm going to unearth those things in people. I'm going to bring them in the right season, the right place and right time. I'm going to bring those back to life, back into the light. And we're going to see dreams and blueprints and, and, and kingdom minded things that God wants to do coming to life in us. And so besides the fact that TikTok is probably giving away my information to foreign countries, uh, I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool story. Um, so 
So I want you to hear this this morning. You are, your life is a kingdom key. We talk about this a lot. It unlocks and opens very specific locks. So that's why it's important that we dream again and dream, but also step into, in faith into those fulfillments. And so think about if you look around this room, what I mean by that is if you look around this room, there's, there's no one in this room that has the same access points influences and relationships that you do. So there are absolutely friendships that you have that I could obviously never speak into their life and no one else in this room could speak into their life. There are areas of industry or, or businesses or opportunities that if you look around this room, no one, no one has that influence. No one has that access that you have. And so while it's great to say, oh, you know, God, you're just doing whatever you want. I'm here. Use me. I'm a, I'm a key that can be used anywhere. That's not necessarily true. Your life is so specific. The call on your life, the opportunities, the influence that you have is so specific to unlock certain things where God wants to take you and through you manifest his kingdom purposes, letting people know about Jesus, inviting sons and daughters home to the table. Like, this is what God wants to do through your life. And so while I get it, that we want to say, we're not the center of the story here, right? Your blueprints, your ideas, your kingdom purposes, it's not the center of the story. The center of the story is Jesus. But let's not let the pendulum swing so far to the, I'm not the center of the story, that you forget that your life and gifts, personality, ideas, influences, access points, so specific to you that as you lay those before God, surrender those to God, that he will use you for things, for his kingdom, for his dreams, for his blueprints that nobody else, nobody else can do. And so that's what I want us to have in our hearts as we move forward this morning. Ephesians, Paul tells us in Ephesians, for we are his creation, we are God's creation Created in Christ Jesus, when we come into relationship with Jesus, we are spiritually born again. We are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. That is communal, that is regional, that is also individual, that you are created anew in Christ Jesus for works that God has prepared ahead of time for you and for, my, for me to do. God designed your life and filled it with purpose. And he's up to far more than you can comprehend. He's placed dreams in you. This before, we talked about this from Jeremiah when we looked at it the, the other day. Before you were formed in the womb, he's now calling those to life. And, and here's what I want to acknowledge. It may scare you to death. You might be thinking, oh, isn't there an expiration date on that? Isn't there this, and I'm too, you, you could fill in the blanks. That's not how this works. And it may not all end up looking the way that you think it's gonna look. It may have to be modified by the Spirit of God who is extremely wise how to modify that thing or how to make it happen. But if he has wired these hopes and dreams and call into your life from when you were formed, he is faithful to see those things coming to life no matter what it looks like as we surrender ourselves fully back to him and as we admit that we are scared to death and we just have to give our yes fully to God, we have to release our reservations, we have to release our excuses, we have to release our yeah, what abouts, and we have to just say, okay, God, if my life belongs to you and there's still things in me that are dormant or, or need to be revived or whatever, I give you my whole yes. And whatever that looks like, bring it to life. Right? Sounds so simple. So we have to... <laughs> 
I know what we have to do, and I know what I have to do. I have to kill fear. I have to kill excuses. I have to kill comparisons. I have to kill inadequacy that wants to rise up whenever I talk about just laying my life down and living fully for his kingdom and for his purposes and allowing the dreams that I carry or the gifts and assignments that I carry to come to life. You have something unique to carry and release as God fills you and leads you. So how then do we get there? If that's true, if you have something unique to carry and release as God fills you and leads you, how do we get there? How do we see these things come to life? So this is the part of the message that's not quite as much fun for you. It's a blast for me. Um, no, I'm, it's not. It's not. But I hate to tell you this. While you're not earning an outpouring life of the Spirit upon you to bring these things to life, you're not earning God's presence on your life. Like This is, this is given to us freely. Your lifestyle matters in this equation. So there could be something in my, there could be, I mean, we're just talking 1% chance. There could be something in my life that would hinder a God who wants to pour himself out fully into me and through me that somehow some of the things and decisions and ways that I choose to live, posture, think, perform, whatever, could actually inhibit the ability of the kingdom to manifest and come to life through my life. And I'm not saying that to put a guilt trip on us. I'm not saying that to get all religiosity on you. I want us to understand John 16, 7. Jesus said this to his disciples toward the end of his ministry years and toward the end of his time on earth. He was telling them some of the things that were going to take place. And one of the things that he kept mentioning was that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit, the helper, uh, the advocate was going to come. And at one point he said, don't go and do all the things that I've assigned you to do until you wait for the, for, for, for the Spirit to, to come upon you. And when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll be empowered to be my witnesses. You will, you'll move out with an empowerment. And, and so they're, they're, they're hearing Jesus tell this and, and going, okay, we're, it's, well, I don't know if it was starting to make sense to them. I don't know if it ever made sense to them. But they were like, okay, we'll wait. We'll do this. But Jesus told them something that I want us to pick up on. John 16, 7. It is best for you that I go away. Jesus said, because if I don't, the advocate, the spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So we know then in Acts 2, that as they waited, that the spirit of God fell on them in that room. Jesus said, it's better that I go away. Why? Because he was the perfect example of a life lived in, in absolute surrender to God's spirit and to be moved by, to be empowered by, to be listening. What is he, what you say? I will say what you do. I will do I will go away to spend time with you, to get your heart so that when I'm ministering to people, I'm not doing it from some kind of performance place, but I'm doing it from the quiet space, my intimacy with you. Like Jesus modeled this demonstration of total dependence and what a partnership with the Holy Spirit looks like. He modeled it for us to know that as well. But he then took it a step forward or a step further saying, I'm not just modeling this. I'm going to, I'm going to go away and then when I am enthroned in authority, I'm going to release the Spirit back, my Spirit to you, in you, and upon you. 
And in so doing, now we get a chance to, like Jesus taught us, to live in surrender and dependence and listening to God's spirit so that as we live and as we move and as we operate in these, these places of influence or the blueprints that we carry or the things that we're called to do, that we too are now maximizing the influence and the opportunity for God's spirit to go places that if it was just Jesus trying to go meet every person, do everything and all of that, it's not gonna work. But when his spirit comes and rests on each one of us, now we are all able to participate in being the hands and the feet of Jesus because he's alive in us, he's resting upon us. And so it's such a powerful reality when Jesus says to you, I know that you'd love to have me in, in the physical right here, right now, but it's better that I go away because then you get my spirit poured out upon you and into your life. How mind-breaking is that reality of what he has called, how personal he wants to live in and through us. John three thirty four tells us this. God has poured out his spirit without measure. So if there is lack, if we understand that Jesus said it's best that I go away so I can send the advocate, if we see in Acts chapter 2 and again in Acts 4 and all throughout Acts the Spirit of God being poured out over and over and over again on people, and then we learn in John 3 that, that he said, I have poured out my Spirit without measure. If there is a lack, I do want to say it is possible that it is our lifestyle because the lack is not from the source but it very well could be from my lack of surrender or my lack of obedience or the things that I have going on in my life. And I, again, hear me. I'm not saying this to guilt you, okay? I want us to understand that he desires that we live overflow lives. And when we're not experiencing overflow lives, let's not blame God for withholding. Let's not beg for something that we already have access to because when we're always saying, oh God, give me more of you, give me more of you, give me more of you, what we're actually doing is we're letting our lifestyle and our choices off the hook and we're putting the blame for our lack back onto God. God has poured himself out completely upon us. There's no reservation, okay? And as we come alive in Jesus, we become containers that can receive that and pour that out. And so let's not put that on God. If I... If I know at my house that my, my spigot is working when I turn it on and water comes out and I close it and I plug in a hose and I turn it back on, I know that there's water coming out of the source and I walk over to the end of the hose and there's no water coming out, what's my practical solution? I know there's water, there's no water coming out. There's a problem with the hose. It's kinked, it's broken, it's cut, it's somebody's, my son is probably standing on it is what's happened. And then every time I walk up to it, they step on it, and then I say, get off it. But that's another story for another day. You understand what I'm saying? We're not playing a blame game here. We're not trying to shame you or make you feel. I just want us to understand. If God has said I pour out without measure, and if I'm not experiencing that in and through my life, I have to take a hard look at some things and be okay with that because he wants to bring us into fullness of life. He wants to bring us into an overflow lifestyle. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Paul says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
So this is where Paul just sits at the end of his sentence and he collects everything else. If you're like, oh man, my thing didn't make it on the list, I guess I'm okay. He just goes, and anything like that. Now we're all looped in to this. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Think about this. When we teach this, too often we teach anything that says the kingdom of God, they're talking about heaven. And you look at a list like this, and religion gets a hold of this list and goes, if you've done any of these things, you don't get to go to heaven. Because we've made the kingdom of God into something that is future, instead of the reality of Matthew 6, where Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus met with his disciples, I confer on you a kingdom. All over through scripture, we see that the kingdom is, it is not yet, but it is already. And we are operating and living in that kingdom. And so this is not a list of behaviors that say, if you don't do these things, you get to go to heaven. It's saying, if you choose to live your life with this kind of numbing, with this kind of choices, with this kind of living for yourself, then guess what? The kingdom is not going to manifest through your life. Jesus said, unless you're born again in the spirit, you won't see the kingdom. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. And we have to pay attention to our lifestyle if we are going to be people who see, manifest, and move the kingdom victoriously forward through our lives, right? We're not just talking about getting into heaven. We're talking about the kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven. Okay, great. That's just getting that out of the way. Intro is done. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so he called us. We know that Jesus told us in John 10, 10, a verse that we love to use around here, that we would have life and that we would have life to the fullest. Uh, the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. And a fun little context uh, practice on that verse is that the enemy is not Satan and some, some you know, pitchfork red with the tail and the thing. The enemy that Jesus is talking about in that, in that story is religion. The enemy, religion, has come to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you would have life to the fullest. Get it right? Because when we, when we misuse that verse, we, we paint a picture that is, is not exactly what Jesus was saying. So it's important that we understand that we are coming out of religion and we are coming to live life to the fullest. But coming out of religion doesn't mean that we just have unchecked liberty to do whatever we want and unchecked freedom to do whatever we want. If at the end of the day, all you can show me is how much liberty and freedom you have from religion, but I can't see Jesus through your life, we have a problem stewarding our liberty and our freedom, right? So religion wants to constrict us with lies Jesus and our relationship with him wants to refine us with truth and our, to be brought into a Christ-likeness with our life, our choices, and the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we carry authority, the way that we manifest the kingdom. And do, how do you walk out the dreams and purposes specific to your life? Right? Good. Okay. So the charge that I would give to you is to understand this. We must understand that he's called us to live life to the fullest, not to a life that justifies behavior or beliefs or patterns that place obedience on the margins as we defend or deny or encourage areas of willful disconnect from God. We don't want to live our life in a way that takes us away from kingdom manifesting lives. We have to steward our lives to be available to God's spirit flowing into us and flowing out of us, flowing through us. So my charge to you this morning 
is to live from overflow. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that verse. I love everything that's in there. I'm going to take it apart just a tiny bit. I'm not trying to change the verse. I just want you to see a couple important parts within this verse. May God fill you to overflowing by the power of his spirit. This is what this verse is saying. Yes, it's talking about filling us with hope and joy and peace so that we would overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. But get the concept that God wants to fill you to overflowing by the power of his Spirit. That you would not live depleted. That you wouldn't live barely surviving on empty. If you've ever been to college and you had a car, you, you can understand the feeling of anxiety of having like $2 every time you go to the gas station and you put it in there and it barely even moves the needle. And so you're just driving around with a constant readiness or fear that you're about to run out of gas. That's living. That's the feeling of living depleted. God does not want you to live spiritually depleted where you're just barely making it to whatever gathering or Bible study or or, or the app thing, or I don't know, whatever. They we're not called to live in that depleted mindset that we are called to live in the overflow of his spirit and of his presence, that he wants to fill us by the power of his spirit to overflowing. One of the stories that we sometimes celebrate in the Bible that... Um, you know, I, I guess I roll my eyes out a little bit, but when the Israelites, you guys remember the Old Testament, the Israelites were captive in Egypt and for hundreds of years, and then they came out, and they had some struggles with trying to understand their identity, moving from a slave mindset to, to people who were ready to possess the promised land. And so, so God walked with them for 40 years in the wilderness. And for 40 years in the wilderness, he took care of their sandals. He took care of their robes. He, he showed up for them, uh, gave them water. And then one of the things that God did is that he would, he would drop manna, food, food, bread from heaven, on the ground every morning. And so as Christians, we love to tell this story and think about, it's so cool how God gives them just enough for the day, because he wants them to be, whatever, like extremely dependent on him or something. <laughs> yes, he's that insecure. Um, and so <laughs> I'm only giving you this much because I want you to be dependent. Like we can make a big deal about God who is giving us just enough for the day, but we fail to recognize that that was a season of refinement that was bringing them into the promised land. So why are we not celebrating the journey to the promised land where they walked into a place that was flowing with milk and honey? Yes, for a season, they had just enough to get by on, but God was taking them where? to a place overflowing with provision and resources. That's where God's taking you. He doesn't want his relationship with you to be one that is centered around lack, that's centered around, oh man, I just gotta get through one more day. He wants you to come to a place where truly in such surrender and positioning of your life that you live in an overflow of abundance of his presence and his provision and his purposes in your life and through your life. Think of it as the promised land when you come into relationship with Jesus. You are no longer finding identifiers with the wilderness. You're finding identifiers with the promise. That's who Jesus is, and he who promised is faithful. God wants to constantly fill you as you walk in a lifestyle of availability and alignment with him. And you may be asking yourself, if that's true, then why do I find myself living on empty? Let me just share a few thoughts that I have. He cannot fill what he cannot access. Stop hiding. He cannot fill what is already full. Stop filling with counterfeit. 
He cannot feel what is in perpetual motion. Stop running. He can't feel what he can't catch. And I know you're like, God can catch anybody. You're right. Good job. He can also make a rock too heavy for himself to carry. Or maybe he can't. He cannot feel what is broken and full of holes, so we have to stop denying the brokenness in certain areas of our life and heart and mind. As the worship team comes up, I want to spend a little bit of time this morning just resting in, inviting God's Spirit to move in this place, to move in you. And I want to speak over you if you if what I just shared resonates with you in some places. For those who are hiding, I just bless you with freedom from fear this morning. He can't feel what he can't access because we've learned to hide in these places that we hold back from him he wants access to. But it is fear that keeps us from releasing the keys to every room of our heart, every room of our life. And we keep hidden spaces from him. We keep secret things from him. We keep places that he knows about that we have shame in. And we hold those back from him. And he wants access to all of those places. And so I just bless you with a renewed sense that you do not have to have fear. Stop hiding. Let him access all of you. Let him fill all of you to overflowing. Freedom from fear. For those who are filling up your life with counterfeit, with numbing, with outside sources, I bless you with strength to let go of lesser things. That you have found purpose and meaning. That you have found the ability to make it through a day in the places that are hurting by grabbing onto temporary fixes. And it, and, it, and it helps you get through the day and it makes sense in the moment. But every time we grab onto a lesser thing in exchange for an eternal thing, we've just subjected ourselves to another round of pain and numbing and denial and hiding. So I just bless you this morning with the courage to let go of those lesser things. For those who are running or moving in perpetual motion or maybe it's busyness I, I just speak over you permission to slow down you feel like you're in a performance you feel like if you let anything go or you let anything down everything's going to fall apart you feel like you have to do everything for everybody and maybe you've lived like this since you were a, a little kid maybe it's something you've picked up along the way and I give you permission to to stop running he cannot fill me when I am constantly running to and fro and trying to take care of the world and my marriage and my kids and everything in between. We must have a place in our life where we learn to quiet ourselves, still ourselves, and posture ourselves before him in everything that we do. And I just bless you with permission to slow down. For those who are broken, and wounded and hurting today. I just pray over you a renewed sense of God's faithful, gentle, healing hand 
come and remove places of perpetual pain that leave you feeling empty. Remember that we serve a God who when he touches our life, that he restores it. And there is no place that is too far gone. There is no place that he's like, oh, I've healed this spot in your life six or seven times. Now I'm not gonna do it again. He is here for you no matter what, no matter how many times we have to come to him with that place that says, my life, my heart feels broken. And when, it, when you pour your spirit out, it feels like it just leaks out instead of being able to live to overflow. Bring that heart to him. Allow him to heal and to minister to you. Jesus said this to us, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And in case we didn't understand it, which is very possible, uh, the scripture goes on to say, hey, he was speaking about the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That's what we talked about in Acts 2. That's what we talked about where Jesus said, it's good that I go away because I will pour out my spirit. So he was speaking about the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. For the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But Jesus' promise to his followers then and his promise that resonates down through the ages to his followers today is this. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within you. This should be the reality that marks our life as believers and followers of Jesus. And I say this without any coercion, without any emotional uh, gymnastics, without any shame. I have to understand that God has filled me with a river of life that is sourced in him living inside of me and that the, the water, the life, the river that flows out of that is the life and river and water of the spirit of God. And if I am not experiencing that, I do not have to go to condemnation. I don't have to go to doubt. I don't have to go to fear. I just have to be willing to ask the question, God, if I'm not experiencing the inflow that results in a river of life, of your life flowing out of me, bring me to the place where I can understand what is it that needs to shift or change or be adjusted, not out of performance, but out of presence where you meet with him and you allow him to speak to you about those places in your heart, your life, your habits, your choices. As we wrap up this time, I just wanna do a real quick practical like exercise with you to sort of bring this all into something that maybe all of that seems like, that was a lot of energy and a lot of whatever. Bring it practical for me. Can you ask yourselves, just do a check up in these three areas. If our desire is to have that river of life flowing out of us, is your allegiance to Jesus alone? Are you fully his? Is your heart and your focus and your energy and your mind and your words and your life fully his? Is your allegiance to the kingdom of self or to the kingdom of God? Are you driven by temporal here and now stuff or by eternal stuff? Finding our allegiance with God through Christ is not about knocking down, or is all about knocking down this idol of immediacy where I need to be satisfied, I need to be met, I need to have this change right now. 
And those things will take their rightful place as the center of everything because we'll build our lives around this desire for immediacy. But he is a God of the eternal. And when we want everything immediately done our way, we will turn to comfort, meaning, and belonging apart from God. So my question for you this morning is, are you ready to let your heart be reset in allegiance to Jesus? Everything you are, everything you do, and everything you have is devoted to Jesus. Your heart, your head, and your hands. The Spirit of God, would you meet us in this place, not with condemnation, but with absolute truth, the kind of truth that you said will set us free, the kind of truth that you said will bring us into absolute freedom, the kind of truth that you said will bring us into a place of having a river of your Spirit flowing out of our life. And would you check our life this morning in the area of allegiance? Are we, are we in allegiance to your kingdom and to, or to our kingdom? to our purposes or to your purposes? Are we devoted to your future or to our future? The second area I would ask you to check in this morning is your appetite for the things of God. We have to cut back on the things that are filling us and distracting us from having a hunger for more of God. You know this, you tell your kids this, no, you can't have that snack, why? Because it's gonna ruin your appetite. But as followers of Jesus, I think there's a lot of time when we don't steward our spiritual appetite very well. That we would remove things from our life that are doling our sense of desire and desperation and hunger for God because we've been satiated by temporal things. And when we start to feel the discomfort, when we start to feel hurt, when we start to feel fear rise up, we tamp it down really quickly by something quick, external, push it down. But when we stop doing that, what's gonna to begin to happen initially, it could be, get kind of messy, but what's gonna happen is that hunger is gonna rise up because you're not feeding the spiritual, trying to feed the spiritual with temporal things. You're saying, God, let the lack that I feel in my life stir up an appetite like I've never had before for your heart, for your purposes, for your presence. I want to hunger for the things of God. Make it your prayer. Make this your bold and crazy prayer. God, remove anything in my life that is removing my appetite for you. I dare you. Sorry, that seemed a little bit like confrontational. I don't want that kind of mess for your life, but I really kind of do because on the other side of it, on the other side of it is this pure and genuine hunger that you only get by walking through a season of letting go of the things that you use to satiate the pain, the fear, the lack in your life. When you find it fulfilled in the things of God. Is your allegiance to him, is your appetite for him? Is your life in alignment with him? We've all driven some old cars in our lives. Old cars have this tendency to go out of alignment. And when a car goes out of alignment, you have a choice. You either fix it or you learn to oversteer it. <laughs> Same thing with your spiritual life. 
We have a tendency because everything around us is pulling us, pulling our hearts, pulling our focus. We have a tendency to get out of alignment with the things that God is doing in and through our life. And when we get out of alignment, you have a choice. You either stop and you come back to God and you say, God, bring me back into alignment with your mind, your heart, your purposes, your kingdom, your passion. Bring me back into alignment with that. Or we make life work disjointed from God by just oversteering. And what we know is this, that if you oversteer a car for too long, it's only a matter of time. It's not gonna be the alignment that's wrong. It's gonna be everything else that breaks because of how you're driving that car. And so the invitation to us spiritually in that, in that metaphor, the invitation is very simple. God, I don't wanna make allowance for my life and learn to just do life in a way where I have things that are out of alignment with you, but I just oversteer and I force it to work. God, bring us into alignment. Since we, are, since we live by the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians 5, let us walk in step with the Spirit in every part of our lives. Allegiance, who is seated on the throne of your heart? Appetite, is there anything that you're feeding on that is diminishing your hunger for God? Alignment, is there anything directionally that is taking you in direct, in place, to places other than where God wants your life to go? Goals, agendas, directions that are not fully surrendered or submitted to God. Don't just force it. Be soft to his leading and his direction that he could whisper in your ear, go right, go left, remain in me. If we wanna live lives where we get to be people who experience this river of the spirit flowing out of us, it's not about human effort. The things I'm teaching you this morning, not about human effort. It's not about performance. As always, we get to the places that we wanna go in our relationship with him through surrender, through trust, by continually coming back to his open presence to say, come. Come to me when you need a renewed appetite. Come to me when you need renewed allegiance. Come to me when you need renewed alignment. So these next few minutes, I just bless you with hope. I bless you with clarity of vision. I bless you with, as we talked about at the beginning, dreams and ideas and blueprints being stirred up, new ones and ones that have been dormant. And I invite you to spend these next few minutes just allowing God's spirit to, to speak to you about adjustments and shifts, places of disobedience that you can bring into obedience to his heart and desire for you. It matters. If we are gonna be kingdom living, kingdom minded, kingdom manifesting people, your life matters. So we surrender to you again, Jesus. Come and meet us, not with shame, not with coercion. Come and meet us with kindness and love that draws us back to you to the fullness of what you have for us and to the fullness of what you want to show the world through us.
reservations, no walls. Just an open door in my heart. No reservations, no walls. Just an open door in my heart. Let there be no reservations, no walls. Just an open door in my heart. No reservations, no walls. Just an open door in my heart. Cause I want to give all that's inside of my heart. I want to give all that's inside of my heart. I want to give all that's inside of my heart to you, Jesus. All that's inside of my heart. Reservations, no walls, no hidden compartments, just an open door in my heart. Let there be no reservations, no walls, just an open door in our hearts, because we want to give all that's inside of our I want to give all that's inside of my heart. I want to give all that's inside of my heart to you, Jesus. Oh, I am not my own. I am not my own. I am not my own. me to follow and I chose to follow you asked me to follow and I chose to follow so I'm not my own not my own so I don't forget about surrender I won't forget about surrender. I am not my own. We are not our own. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all. Oh, Lord. 
I'm not my own I've been bought with the blood I'm not my own you disciple us God we let you disciple us God you told us to follow and we chose to follow so we let you lead us yeah Lord that's just our, our prayer again to just be reminded of the not the law commitments, but the heart commitments we've made to you. That we are not our own and we actually are coming into something that's so much more fulfilling and vibrant and full. As we lay our life down before you, we receive the true life. We thank you that the, the truth of you is setting us free and that's a truth that can be known it's not ambiguous, it's not hidden away. The truth of you can be known. And so as we've been worshiping today, we thank you for a freedom that can be known in being followers, in being disciples, in being ones who lay our life down for a friend and with a friend. You are all those things to us, Jesus. Lead us out wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, not forgetting about surrender, stewarding our liberty, stewarding our life, stewarding our friendships and our relationships. You'll not rush us through us, through it, but you will press us when we need to be pressed. And we receive the pressing and the vine dressing today. We say amen together. We'll have a great uh, spring break, or if that's not on your radar, you're still gonna get great weather anyways. So enjoy the, the great weather. We love you so much. We'll see you guys next week.